Isaiah chapter 43. How many brought your Bibles? What a great way to end the year. Hey, we made it to the end of the year. I know some of you wondered if you was going to make it. Well, we made it to the end of the year. So we've got a word from the Lord this morning. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. God speaking to through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel. And listen to what he says. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of 2018. Behold, I will do a new thing in 2019. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It seems almost impossible to believe that in less than 40 hours, 2018 will be in the history books. And 2019, a new year will begin. Yearly, at this time of the year, people make New Year's resolutions for the upcoming year. In fact, I was reading this week that new gym memberships soar at the first part of the year. As hopeful, out-of-shape citizens promise to change their behavior. Not only <coughs> do new gym memberships soar, but people who have been a member in the past and are still a member, but they hadn't been there so in so long, they forgot where it's at, that attendance soars as well because they remind themselves that this is the year they're going to run their first marathon. New Year's resolutions, they abound at this time of the year. And let me tell you something, they're wonderful. And they give us a sense of a fresh start. In fact, resolutions and fresh starts, and the idea of resolutions and fresh starts, that's a God idea. That's a God idea. Look what he said in verse 19 of Isaiah 43. Behold, I will do a new thing. A fresh start. Something brand new. Here's you a new chance. Here's you a new opportunity. And notice who's the instigator and the originator of that resolution. God. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. God tells the nation of Israel, regardless of their present difficulty, they have a bright and glorious future with His help. A new day awaits them. <clears throat> so if you've said to your family or if you've said to yourself, now beginning January 1st, this is what I'm going to start doing, I want you to understand that's a God-inspired idea. It's a God-inspired idea. Let's take it personal. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know this one. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, he is a what? New. That's a God-inspired idea. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. God tells us, not the nation of Israel, God tells us Christians, regardless of our past, when He becomes our Savior and Lord, our purpose in life becomes new. And our future is hopeful and secure. In fact, let me, let me put it to you this way. You and I do not need to enter into 2019 without some thought or plans for something new in our life. Because God wants to do new things in us. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, tells us a time will come when heaven and earth is going to pass away. The end of time as we know it will be over. It's done. 
But when heaven and earth passes away, instead of finality, emptiness, and void, Jesus does something remarkable. He makes everything new. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse number 5. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 5. Notice what it says. Then he sat on the throne. This is right after he'd said, everything's going to pass away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Ride, for these words are true and faithful. Listen, if you think you've experienced something in 2018 and life is over and that has no more breath in that situation and your family situation is over, your job is over, your company's over, your finances are shot, I want you to know it might be the end of that moment, but God wants to do something new. He wants to give you something new. Every one of us should have a New Year's resolution. Every one of us should have a New Year's resolution. New resolutions, new starts, new chances, and new opportunities. Get their inspiration from Jesus, who is the eternal creator of new. His mercies are new every morning. He is the eternal creator of new. Yet most people who make resolutions for a new start unfortunately, do not maintain the pattern of behavior long enough to develop a new habit. In fact, CBS recently did a study on New Year's resolutions and discovered that 80% of New Year's resolutions are never kept. 80% of New Year's resolutions are never kept. How many have been guilty of that? I have too. By the second week of February, the study says 80% of the people who had great intentions and made new resolutions find themselves remorseful because their dreams seem so elusive. They quit. They give up. So if you're planning on making changes in your life beginning this new year, let me congratulate you on doing so. It's a God thing. Or we're going to lose some weight. Or we're going to be more disciplined in this. Or we're going to save some money. And we're going to pay off our credit cards. And, and I'm going to spend more time with my family. And I'm, I'm going to uh, get my education. Or I'm going to further my education. Or I'm, I'm going to spend more time uh, doing devotions. I'm going to be consistent with my devotions this year. I'm, I'm going to call my, my parents. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do... This year, I made up my mind. I'm going to do that. If, if, if you have come up with a New Year's resolution... I want to congratulate you. It's a God thing. Because Jesus is the eternal creator of new. Remember what he said. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall it not spring forth? The word of God teaches us specific principles now. How to not fall prey to what CBS says. The 80% who never get those new things into a routine of their life. The Word of God teaches us how to turn our resolutions into reality. And I will talk about that next week, but this morning I want to tell you the one thing that we must include in our life, and it's a biblical principle which is a necessity to embrace before you can ever hope for anything new in 2019. You've got to do one thing before you ever hope 
for anything new in 2019. A main reason we are unsuccessful in turning our new resolutions into, re, into a new reality is that we fail or we refuse to leave some critical things behind. We want new. We just don't want to leave something off. And I don't know about you. I've learned with my children. My children, wanted, they wanted to do it all. We're going to do this. Well, we want to do that too. We're playing baseball. We, we want to play basketball too. Well, you're playing baseball and basketball. We, we want to play soccer too. Well, you're playing baseball, basketball, and soccer. Yeah, but we want to do underwater basket weaving too. I mean, <laughs> they wanted to do everything. We, wanted, we want new, but we don't want to leave anything behind. We love the idea of new. We despise the idea of having to give something up to get it. Often we even hang on to painful things because we have found a comfort level in our pain. Over the years, I've discovered that many people would rather have old problems than new solutions because it requires energy and discipline to change. In each of those passages that I read earlier about Jesus being the author of new to the book of Revelation, making everything new, to you become a new cre- creation when you accept Christ, or to the nation of Israel, that God was going to make them new. In all of those passages, there was a preceding requirement that must be met before the new becomes a reality. Before we can enjoy the new, God has said, we've got to lay aside the old. Go back to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Notice before he could do a new thing, you had to get rid of the old. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Notice, old things have what? Passed away. Got to get rid of the old before you can fully become new. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Verse 5. Then he sat on the throne, said, I will make all things new. (coughs) Notice before the new came, the old had to go away. There is a constant theme in each of these verses which reveals to us something about the character of our God. And that's this. Listen to this. In God's eyes, our future is not determined by our past. Yet most of us blame our lack of a joyful and prosperous future on the events of our past. Well, you know, I could do this, but I was raised this way. I'd be able to do this, but my family never gave me this opportunity. Or I could be successful, but my company did this to me. In God's eyes, our future is not dependent upon our past. Now, we blame our past, but He doesn't blame our past. Why? Because He says, I will make it new. I don't have to add to your past or rearrange your past or to fix your past or to adjust your past. I can. I, your past means nothing to me. I just start all over and make you new. And I make the situation new. 
Unfortunately, there have been days. I, I've learned this also about the Lord. Jesus is not only a, the eternal creator of new, he is also the master forgetter. My past is not, my future in God's eyes is not dependent upon my past because he is the creator of new. But not only is he the creator of new, he's a master forgetter. There have been days and moments in in my life that I've acted in ways, I've done some things, and I've said some things of which I'm ashamed. Pastor Moy doesn't have that problem. And had never done nothing bad as he did. My mother, if you talked to my mother this morning, would tell you that I was always a good boy. But mom don't know everything. Even as an adult... I have done some stupid and sinful things. There have been moments that I've been tempted and I've fallen into sin. When I knew better, oh, pastor, well, you have too. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. I didn't keep, there have been times I didn't keep my flesh desires under control. I'd say things and act in ways which were not pleasing to God. You mean you've done that, Pastor? Yeah, I've done that. I'm flesh and blood just like you. I have desires and frustrations and temptations just like you. I wished... I could stand up here this morning and tell you every time I've been tempted, I always resisted and acted like an angelic being. But honestly, sometimes my behavior more resembled the demonic than angelic. One of the things I love so much about my Heavenly Father is that He never brings up my failed past. He never brings up our failed past. And if your mind is consumed with past failures, if memories of hurt and pain replay over and over in your thoughts, understand those are not the actions of a loving Heavenly Father. That is the torment and harassment of the devil. Let let me share with you the attitude of God about our past. Let me show you what he thinks about our past. Look at Isaiah chapter 38. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 38, verse number 17. Look at Isaiah chapter 38, verse number 17. Notice what the prophet Isaiah says about God in our past. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly, you God, have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins Behind your back. God puts every... He don't even look at them. He doesn't doesn't see you in light of your failed past. I love this one. Turn to the book of Micah. That's in the Old Testament also. The book of Micah. Micah chapter 7. One of the minor prophets. Micah chapter 7. Verse 18 and 19. Micah chapter 7. Verse 18 and 19, notice what it says. Who is a God like you? The prophet said, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Some of us grew up with a God that was going to get you. That was the wrong picture of God. He don't get His children. He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins, all of our failed past into the depths of the sea. You put it behind his back, he throws it into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, look at Psalm 103, verse number 8. Psalm 103, verse number 8 says, The Lord is compassionate. And merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Listen to that verse. He will not constantly accuse us. Have you ever made a mistake and your mind is just harassed with the scene of your mistake over and over again? Have you ever said something that you wished you hadn't said and all you think about is what you said? And you've, you've repented over it a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. Some of you have done some things in the past you're very ashamed of. And every week or so, you'll go through a repenting session all over again because you're harassed in your mind. You get the scene again. It replays over and over and over again. And you think you need to repent again and tell the Lord you're sorry again. Listen to what the Bible says. He will not constantly accuse us. Those thoughts, that condemnation, that harassment, it's not coming from Him. It's not coming from Him. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins. Remember, he put them behind our back, his back. He threw them in the depths of the sea. Now the Bible says he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever thought about it? It's an amazing that the Bible says he's removed them as far as the east is from the west. On our globe, there is no east pole, there's no west pole. There's a north pole, you go north and then you head south. There's a south pole, you go south and then you head north. But it didn't say he removes our sin as far as the north is from the south. It says from the east is from the west. You start east and you never get there. You start west and you never get Only he knows the end of the east from the west. And the Bible says since he's the only one that knows where the end of east is, and he knows where the end of west is, that's how far he's removed our sins from us. Listen, the Lord has intentionally separated you from your past. He has intentionally, intentionally separated you from your past. It's not something that you have to bring with you like on a trip, baggage. It's gone. When you bring it up and repent of it a hundred times, He don't know what you're talking about. You're wasting His time. Because He separated you from your past. It's time for us to stop carrying our past around like luggage on a trip. Years ago, Amanda and I were asked to preach in Hong Kong and Thailand. And our first stop was South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. We stay there a couple of days, let our bodies get adjusted, and then we head on to Hong Kong and preach. We left Detroit, Michigan at 1 p.m. on a Monday afternoon. 
and flew over the top and arrived 14 hours later. One, one plane flight, 14 hours. 14 hours later, we arrived Tuesday evening with the time change. It was Tuesday evening in Seoul, Korea. We left Detroit on Monday at 1, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, arrived 14 hours later in Seoul, Korea with the time change. It was Tuesday evening. From there, we went to Hong Kong and preached, and then to Bangkok, Thailand, and preached. We were, we were gone 16 days preaching a bunch of times. At the end of our 16 days, we, the missionary dropped us off at the airport in Bangkok for our trip home. I asked him, and I said, now, I'm, I'm, my bearings is all messed up. I'm over here where they eat rice all the time, and if I don't have a cheeseburger, my direction gets off. I said, now, when we get on this plane, which way do we head back? Are we going to fly back north? Are we going south? Are we going east? I know we're going west. Which way do we go? He replied, back. I didn't think he understood my question, so I asked it a little different. When, when we leave here, are we going, is the plane going north to, toward Russia? Are we going south? Are we going east or are we going west? He said, you are going back. I looked puzzled, and then he said, You are as far away from Tennessee as you can get. Any direction you go, you are going back. 27 hours later, our plane touched down in Nashville, Tennessee. We were a long way from home. But here's something to remember. There is no place on earth farther away than your yesterday. There is no place on earth farther away than your yesterday. Many of us relive our yesterdays and our painful yesterdays every day. We are constantly bringing it into our present. But there's no place on earth farther away than your yesterday. You can't get to yesterday. It's impossible to find yesterday. You can't arrive at yesterday. The only place that it has any life left is right up here. And Jesus has separated you from your past. He wants to make everything new. But before he can make everything new, there's something we need to leave in 2018. In less than 40 hours, we're going into 2019. I want to encourage you to leave something in 2018. And as I close this morning, I want to encourage you to leave this one thing. I want you to leave your regrets. Psalm 103. Verse number 13 and 14 says this, The Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Let me tell you about regret. Regret is a powerful anchor that will hold us firmly in the past and prevent us from enjoying our present and our future. 
Regret can be an all-consuming stronghold that can invade our happiest moments, pulling a dark cloud over our lives. Most of us in this room have lived long enough to make some mistakes and do some things we look back on with regret. Granted, many of the things we regret are minor, and they're not life-altering. But sometimes, our behavior has inflicted pain on others. Sometimes, our actions have prohibited others from being blessed. And that level of regret can be paralyzing. So let me share with you just real quickly how to leave regret in 2018. And let me tell you, uh, it's, it's what I'm learning. Just a few weeks ago, my dad died unexpectedly. And I'm so thankful that I don't have a lot of regrets with my dad, but I do have some. I, I'm so thankful I, I never talked back to him. I never talked back to my dad. I never, I never sassed him. Not because I was such a good kid. I was scared he'd knock me into next year. But I never, I never talked back to him. I never was disobedient to him other than when we disagreed about he didn't want me to go into ministry and I had to follow God. But I still have regrets. I, I regret that I didn't call him more. I regret that I wasn't more concerned about him than I was me. I regret that I didn't spend, when I was with him, I didn't spend more time interested in his life than wanting him to be interested in my life. So yeah, I, in the last month, I've had to deal with some thoughts of regret. Not terrible things. It hadn't affected his future. He's with the Lord. And it's, I'm not going to allow it to affect mine, but I still have to deal with it. And every one of you in this room understand that we all deal with regrets. So how do we leave it? How do we leave it? Do we have to live with it the rest of our life? Number one, accept the reality of the thing you regret. Accept the reality. Don't try to make excuses for it. Don't try to excuse yourself. You did it. You messed up. You said it and shouldn't have. Or you didn't say it and should have. The mistakes are real. They happened. And history cannot be rewritten. We can't go back and pluck up the seeds that have already been sown. Trying to recuse ourselves from responsibility will not change the reality of the situation. Embracing reality and acknowledging the truth is the first step toward releasing regret. Stop blaming others. You did it, and you regret it. So take ownership. That's the first step. But the second step is equally more important. Forgive yourself. Extend to yourself the same mercy that as a Christian we are commanded to extend to others who have wronged us. What does Ephesians 4.32 says? Be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. 
tender-hearted, forgiving yourself, even as God in Christ forgave you. You did it. You messed up. You regret it. Now forgive yourself. Stop beating up yourself for doing something you cannot undo. The one thing you can do is forgive yourself. Now, forgiving yourself won't negate negate the thing you regret, but it will release regret's power over you. Did you hear me? Forgiving yourself will not negate the thing that you regret. It won't change that, but it will release regret's power over you. Third, if it's possible, make amends. Make amends. If the thing you regret has wounded the heart of another, apologize without excuse and sincerity of heart. Just man up, woman up, Christ up, and apologize. Do what you reasonably can do to mend fences and repair actions that you've broken. We're talking about leaving regret behind. Number four, focus on forgetting what is behind you. I mean, you've got to think about it. I mean, you've got, you've got to get intentional on eliminating it out of your life and out of your thought life. Leave the past in the past. Stop talking about it and rehearsing it with everyone you know. Get off Facebook and Instagram and stop telling people everything you regret. The more you talk about it, the larger it becomes, and God has separated you from it. See, Today is too precious to waste on if only. And finally, number five, do the opposite of what you regret. Do the opposite. Not only forgive yourself, not only own it, not only make amends, not only focus on forgetting it, but do the opposite of what you regret. You can't change the past, but how, what you do have control over is how you live from this day forward. Regret is a painful but effective teacher, so learn from its lessons. Do you hear me? Regret is effective, but a very painful teacher. Learn from its lessons. What are you going to do, Pastor? I'm calling my mama every day. I can't say anything else to my daddy till I get to heaven. And when I get there, I'm going to tell him, I told you I was right on this ministry thing. I did okay, Dad. And he'll agree with me. But I can't talk to him now. But I can talk to my mama. Do the opposite of what you regret. Replace regretful thoughts with positive actions. When wishing you had done things differently overwhelms your thinking, become proactive and extend benevolence to someone else. It's amazing how blessing others will knock out the giant of regret in your life.